0: Of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. Maybe just take your seat and sing us to bring them in. Brother Vino and his wife requested to dedicate the baby, Amen. for the little ones. Amen. Uh, Brother Vino and your wife, uh, we've got Mark 10, verse thirteen for the little ones. Then we've got Acts two thirty eight 38, for the parents. Amen. So, as you fulfill this one, there's part two. Amen. Mark 10, verse thirteen, and they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child he shall not enter therein. and he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them amen we don't baptize children we bless them amen once you have reached an age of accountability that's when we can baptize a child amen yeah. give us the child okay What's the name of the child? Gazzemul. Gazzemul. It means the glory. Yeah. Oh, let's pray. No, Is the boy or the girl? The boy. The boy. Oh, all right. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I'm laying my hands upon this baby. Dear God, the scripture says that the children are, the inherit- are a heritage from you. And we know that all life comes from you. That's exactly what our prophet has told us, and that is what the Bible teaches us. Now, I'm laying my hands upon this child, this baby because the parents are so fit that as the life comes from you, the life should be committed back to you. And dear God, especially in the time of infantile sicknesses and demonic attacks upon little ones, it is befitting that a child's life should be brought under prayer and i know dear god satan would have a lot of attacks but i know that the name of the lord will be like a hedge around this child may you protect this child may you give the parents a sense of wisdom of how to raise this child in the fear of god and we pray for them as well as they will be making a decision that guides them heavenly father that the whole family should serve under a pillar of fire it is our desire as we commit everything to you in jesus christ's name amen Amen. god bless you amen god bless you all right you are released amen as we stand to our feet God bless you as we turn to our Bibles, the book First Corinthians. Amen. First Corinthians, four, verse one and two.
1: We
0: found. It reads in this manner. Let a man so account of us, account of us as, of the of as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1, there quite an amen corner, amen. (laughs) I hear him reading. Therefore seeing we have this ministry, ministry, as as we have received mercy, we faint not. But have, the of but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, walking in craftiness. No, handling the word of God no handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Isaiah 6, verse 1, 5, and 6, and 8, rather, we'll do the jump in there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. In the year that King died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and
1: lifted up.
0: High and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Verse 5, Then said I who is me, me?" for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, lips." "For for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse eight, also I, heard the voice of the Lord saying, also I heard
1: the
0: voice of the Lord saying, "Who shall I whom shall I send? When who will go for us? Then said, I, here am I? Send, I, here am I. Send, me. send me, as we bow our heads a gracious heavenly Father. We are reporting for duty this morning. By your grace, we are here, preserved sound. And Lord, we realize that we can never say thank you enough, especially in the season where we find ourselves in. And Lord, we realize that everything is falling apart. The world is falling apart. Economic systems are falling apart even religious systems are falling apart because there is only one kingdom that must stand. and That is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we are gathered here as your subjects coming before the King to be spoken to by the King to be shaped by the King to be influenced by the king and to be guided by the king. And Lord, we know that you are not a respecter of a person, but you are a respecter of your own way. Help us to develop a sense of sincerity, a sense of reverence, and a sense of dedication to your way. And wherever we fall short, help us to say we repent and so that we can always meet the standard of the way Your prophet says our gathering here is not to look at one another. We are gathering here to avoid that day of judgment. As the scripture says, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And that is why we came here so that we can be spoken to in the manner that you see faith. So that on that day instead of being judged we shall judge and dear god even unbelievers can see we are right at the end time and how much more about the bride of jesus christ we say pray we pray for the church we pray for the believers i pray for the reading of the way to this morning let it not be my intellect that will come into motion let it be the holy ghost that will come into motion and as you speak to them, speak to me. As you shape them, shape me. As you guide them, guide me. Exclude me not in the process. I'm much as part of the audience as I'm being a vessel used to this morning. As we commit everything to you, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you as you take your seats. Amen. Thank God that it is nice and warm, Amen. We thought there would be a lot of shading, but we thank God that there is no lot of shading, Amen. And then we had a blessed time yesterday. We had to do a wedding for the brothers Busisiwe Timuni and Sister Hannah, and today they are in Limpopo just to wrap up with the two families. Amen. Uh, I think during COVID is the right time to get married. Amen. You can get away with a, a limited number of guests. But if your budget allows, wait until we can all come. Amen. But if I was not married, this is the time for me that I would have considered. Amen. So we appreciated them. Uh, the reason we had to uh, ex- or ex- expedite the process or speed up the process was just because uh, we don't know whether uh, the third wave, what will be the regulations. So the brother said, before they do anything, let me have my wife. Amen. Amen. So we said, brother, have your wife. Amen. So it was just purely done in that manner because it's COVID. It's not because we wanted to deny the people uh, the privilege to attend, but it's because of uh, the new normal, as they say, amen. So God bless them and God bless their families. And Pastor Tamara uh, preached very well as well. It was just a, a lovely spirit that prevailed at that wedding. Amen. Now, this morning, I want to speak on a way of a true minister. Brother Brennan once spoke about a way of a true prophet, but this morning, I said, let me uh, cascade it down and speak on a way of a true minister. I had been wanting to speak on this last year, uh, and I read the book, A Way of a True Prophet. I think he preached it twice, but somewhat yeah, I couldn't lean anything uh, to be able to preach here. And then later on, I went back and went back until later I say, I think now I've got something that the Lord has given me. Amen. You know, there are times where you you can read the message and prepare thinking the messages for the people only to find that the message is for you. Amen. And if you dare preach a message that God was directing to you, you will stand behind the pulpit and run out of the message because that was not for the people, that was for you. Amen. So we appreciate the Lord. God bless you, Brother Mshabi, for last week, for standing in the gap. Uh, and I think he touched on something very sensitive on the vaccine uh, our, our disposition or a standpoint is that we, you cannot force people to have it but you need to give people the information to make a decision Amen. Amen the problem is that we live during a time of misinformation where WhatsApp is just being sent from this one, it goes around the world uh, there is a mama that phoned me and said uh, because she saw a video of a vaccine and said Ah, I see this video I'm not going to vaccinate because in America they say this and that happened uh, because of the vaccine so because she's an old mama I had to ask a question I said mama how many uh, family planning methods do you know she mentioned many I say, of all those that you know, have you never heard that most of them, people have side effects to them? She said, yes. I say, did we stop family planning because of that? She said, no. Then I said, in every vaccine, there will be people that will react. Hallelujah. Amen. Depending on your body, depending on your circumstances, there's quite a lot of things, but you cannot entirely dismiss it. Amen. Amen now my mother asked me and said is vaccine mark of the beast i said it is definitely not mark of the beast Ah, Amen. if it was mark of the beast polio vaccine would have been mark of the beast Uh, are you still with me so it's it's right that we put things in context but we are not promoting vaccine and neither are we uh, bashing the vaccine you are an adult you can make your own decision (laughs) with the information at your disposal. Hallelujah. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Amen. But uh, let me not get into that. I think the brother spoke uh, very well on it. Amen. Now, Brother Brenham, maybe let's bring the first quotation, my brother. Brother Brenham says in the message, the way of a true prophet of God. Paragraph 75. He says, And when the word of God comes to a true servant, he must go regardless of circumstances or regardless of difficulties. He must go anyhow whether he is prepared whether he feels like it whether he wants to whether whatever more he must go anyhow is God speaking and he must carry this message he never goes for foolishness hallelujah he never goes for for foolishness When the prophet says he never goes for foolishness There will be those that go for foolishness He never goes for He never goes for Money You can pronounce it A true servant of God never goes for money He never goes for Popularity You see your prophet told us that there are three pitfalls of a minister. Money, women, and popularity. And you can never be popular when you don't have money. And you can never be popular unless you become popular with women. So when a, a true minister must have the ability to manage money, women, and popularity when it says money it doesn't say he must not have money he, he must be honest when it comes to money matters i'll repeat he must be honest when it comes to money matters the quickest way for one to become a crook is when it comes to money are we with me he never goes for popularity. He only goes in the name of the Lord for one thing. Maybe I'll move the sticks there. For one thing. Amen. He's got a mission and he's sent of the Lord. And he is the weight of God. Folks, he is. This, one I, this is the prophet speaking. He is the weight of God because he is carrying the weight of the Lord. Uh, and I, we've given an example about this, that when a glass is empty, it's just a glass. But when water is in the glass, it becomes a glass of water. When a minister is empty, it's just a minister. But when the weight is in the minister, he becomes the weight because he is carrying the weight. Yes. Um, this is a, a true minister of God. Are you still with me? Yes. Now, let's, when you read what we have read in the book of Isaiah, and I think this scripture has got what I would deem to be or call a true pattern of being called into a ministry. Uh, He says, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. A minister, first thing that he has to see is the Lord. High and lifted up, the Lord having the preeminency above everything else. And his train filled the temple." Then said I, Who is me? For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts, and I hear also. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said, Here. Said I, here am I, send me. Amen. Amen. Bring uh, the next light after that other quotation. I say uh, uh, there is a threefold to what Isaiah saw. First, he looked upward. Hallelujah. Amen. And so the Lord. And when you see the Lord, you see what? Holiness. Are you still with me? A true minister has to be called by God. And when I say minister here, I'm not referring to a pastor. A minister goes further than a pastor. And you will understand that actually all of you somewhat are involved in the ministry within the bride of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now, he looked upwards and he saw the Lord. Holiness, before you begin a ministry or whatever ministry you have the question would be what have you seen uh, hallelujah <laughs> and what you, you have seen will determine how far you can go uh, hallelujah uh, when whatever you have seen either will preserve and kept you keep you and or propel you or it will derail you. It begins with, what have you seen? He looked upward, he saw the Lord. He looked inward, he saw himself. And he said, I was a man of unclean lips, staying with people that were unclean. You know, when God calls a man, a genuine minister never has a sense of self-righteousness. All genuine ministers saw themselves unfit, being made fit by the grace of God. Amen. Are you with me? When, when he looked at the holiness of God and contrasted the holiness of God of, with what he was, he realized and he said, woo unto me. I'm a man of unclean leaves, living with people of unclean lips." He saw his uncleanness. If a, man can not, if a man can be in the presence of God and never say, God, be merciful, that man has not been in the presence of God. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Then he saw outward. He saw the world that was perishing. He saw wickedness that had engulfed the world. Are you still with me? Amen. But here is a problem if you, can, you, if you can see, a, a lot of times people see the world, what they can do, how they can change the world, but they have not seen God. And furthermore, they have actually not found themselves in the Lord. A true minister finds God, finds himself before he finds a sinner. Hallelujah. Don't ever attempt to find a sinner unless you were found. And the only way that we know you have found is when you have found God. Amen. And when, Brother Brown say, when you have found God, there is an element of uh, humility in being found by God. What, what, what troubles me today, it, it, when you observe, especially on the religious landscape, uh, w- w- you seem to have a big number of people that come, comes across. That come across as though they were never sinners. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But your prophet say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Amen. He says it at the beginning of the ministry. He says it during the ministry. He says it at the end of the ministry. Yes. But at some point in time, and we are going, actually this message, I almost wanted to call it, why does a revival tarry? Hallelujah! I was caught up between the two titles, but you'll understand why as we move along. Amen. Do you get it? Amen. Now, whenever God, and this is not only reserved to ministers, but it is reserved to everyone. When God finds a minister, he first breaks down a minister. God breaks his ministers before he uses them. Uh, Hallelujah. He's got to break down your knowledge. He's got to break down your experience. Sometimes he's got to break down your connections. Sometimes he's got to change your makeup. God would never use anything until he breaks it down first and rebuilds it in the manner that he sees fit. Moses was coming from the palace, but God never needed even his experience from the palace. He took him and emptied out the experience that he had and put his own experience into Moses. When we come into the ministry, God, God, even with Brother Branham, God had to make sure that he broke down even all the associations that he had in the denominations. Are you still with me? So, God, before God, anyone before God, because if God can use you the way you are, you're going to have pride. Amen. God has got to demonstrate that I need nothing of you. Amen. Hallelujah. And break you down and shape you in the manner that He sees your feet. Amen. So, God only uses broken things. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus, before He fed the crowd, He broke that let's break a, a bread. And and fish. Are we together? Are you still with me? Before the alabaster box, box could be used, it had to be broken. Jesus' body had to be broken, and you have to be broken. That's why the scripture say you have. Even brother, brother say you have to die to yourself. Are you still with me? Not divorce yourself. Uh, Hallelujah! I know the gospel today that has been preached around is that you have to be in touch with yourself. You have to accept yourself. No, sir. You have to die to yourself and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will shape you in the manner that he sees fit. Are you still with me? Now, Brother bring this quotation, Brother Brink says in the message, Why Cry, Speak, paragraph 194, He says, a public service is a minister. To serve the public. To serve what? Not to serve the church. Hallelujah. You know, what has made the church to lose its mojo? It focused inward instead of outward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think the Iliad church had so much impact because it was operating so much out of the four walls of the church. And the church in the end time is confined to the four walls of the church. Hallelujah. A public service is a minister to serve the public, to be the underdog, to take these knocks and brows of the public Whatever it is, stand there. And if you even got grace enough to smile and take it, then you ought to go back to Calvary and reconfirm your commission. That's what you are supposed to do now. Are you still with me? We'll come to that and unpack it for you, what he means by that. Amen. Now, God's minister will, will oppose sin and not appease it. A, a, a God's minister will call sin to be sin. He will not uh, find a, an acceptable, acceptable way of making it palatable by the people. Amen. If it's adultery, he will not call it extramarital affair. It's adultery. Amen. If it's sex before marriage, you won't call it dating. It's sex before marriage. A real minister will call out sin for what it is. Uh, Hallelujah. Are you still here? And and why? Why? Now, it connects with the previous quotation because he's got to go out and challenge the public. Because a lot of time, God raises the ministers when there is a moral decay in society. It raises ministers that can call out and say something is wrong. Because why? They are not looking for popularity. Hallelujah. They are sanctioned by God. Are you telling me? Don't run ahead of me because you're going to confuse me. Amen. I know you've got the luxury of knowing where I'm going, but don't reveal where I'm going before I get there. Amen. So God's minister will oppose sin and not appease it. Now, we, we, we will get, because there is somewhere where I'm going. The prophet says, God promised a revival. Do you agree that, with that? God promised a bright revival. And here the quotation to affirm that. In the message, the third seal, paragraph 183, the prophet says, the bride hasn't had a revival yet. This was when he was preaching the seals. Are you with me? Yes, the bride hasn't had a revival yet. That means when you begin to use the word yet, it means revival is pending. Is it so? Yes. So there's, there, there's been no revival there, no manifestation of God to stay the bride yet. And during this time, miracles had stayed in the denominations. But it says there's got to be a revival the manifestation of God to stay the bride, and he says no manifestation of God to stay the bride yet. See, we are looking for it now. It will take those seven unknown thunders back there to wake her up again. He will send it. He promised it. Now watch. Are you still with me? He's telling the church to watch for the bride's revival. And it says the seven thunders will wake her up so that the bride can have a staring of the manifestation of God among them. But it says, we have not yet heard it yet, but it says, watch for it. Are you still with me? Yes. Bring another one in the invisible union of, of the bride, paragraph 49. He says, but watch, when the spiritual bride, when she begins to have a revival, When she begins to come back and line herself up with the word of God, watch then again, you see how that the scriptures at that time, there will be a message sweep out to catch that bride and catch that woman, the elect. Are you still with me? So this bride revival will be a message. That will sweep across the nations to call out a bride who is the Mrs. Elect. I, I, you, are you still with me? But the bride has got to line up with the way. So he's telling you there's going to be a revival. <laughs> now, here before I go anywhere. Somebody can say, but we have had revival. I beg to differ. A lot of times, things that people call it a revival, it was just charismatic men that were rising on the scene, and groups rose around them, and they call it a revival. But it was not a revival. Hallelujah. (laughs) It was just a camp. There is a difference between a revival and a group hyping each other. Hallelujah. A revival will not be located to one area. A revival will be contagious. It will sweep across the nation. A revival will not be for black people or white people. It will be for all the people. Are you still with me? Now, revivals that we've had that people deem to be revival, actually it was just regional movements, sometimes national movements. But there's got to be a universal move by a universal God for the universal people to achieve the universal results yes. are you still with me here now my question would be then why does this revival and let me explain what this revival means this revival that the prophet spoke about he says, there would come a time where a sick person will walk into a building and take a seat and without being prayed for they will get healed he says there will come a time where God will grow the limbs, where people have got no hand, but a hand will grow back. Yes. Are you still with me? He says there's coming a time where a sinner will die in the presence of God if they refuse to repent. Are you still with me? There's coming a time where a brother will give another brother reign. That is the bright revival, and that is what the prophet was looking for, and that's what we are looking for. Amen. But why is it tearing? Amen. Uh, now, if you say, Ah, I know people who listen to this and say, But in our church, we have a revival. You are lying. Amen. You closed the church because of coronavirus. Yeah. Are you still with me? I'm coming, there is some way I'm coming and this morning I want to provoke you as message believers Uh, and I I will explain what I mean why does the revival tear? revival tarry is because of carelessness being sluggish the message brother Brennan explains explains this better in the message a blushing prophet paragraph 103 The prophet says, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not doing the job of God like I should do. Imagine if the prophet is guilty. You. How much more? If a man that went around the world seven times says I'm guilty, where does it put you? Let's hear him more. I'm guilty of not doing the job of God like I should do. I'm confessing it that I'm wrong. I'm asking God to be merciful to me. I look out here and see the opportunities I have missed because of petty things. Little old insignificant things That didn't mean nothing. I am ashamed of myself as a gospel minister before you. I repent before God and ask God to forgive me and the church to forgive me for being so dilatory, being sluggish, being slowful about the work of the Lord. By the grace of God and by the help of God, I will not listen to what everyone trying to tell you something to do. They've got a program. They've got something for you to do. Nonsense! I know God's program. It's written out here in the Bible. I'm ashamed of myself as a minister of this gospel. One million souls won. I ought to have ten million souls won. I'm way behind, yes. folks. The man says I won one million. And he says, that's not enough, I should have won 10 million. My question to you, you, how many souls have you won? If a man that has won 1 million feels insufficient and says, God, forgive me for being dilatory. How much more about you this morning? How many souls have you won as an individual? 104 brother. He comes. It's not me. He says, What about you? How many souls you worn since you have been in Christ? This let's pause for a while. How many souls have you worn since being in Christ? You know, today I hear I'm gonna pause. And you'll hear as I move with certain quotations. We message believers are childish in the end time. I've said it. I'll repeat so that maybe it sings in. We have been childish in the end time. Childish in a sense of following the great commission. We fight among ourselves. Instead of winning with bank, we fight among ourselves. Are you still with me? Remember they came to Jesus and say, We found somebody preaching like us. We stopped him. Jesus said, why? What? Why do you stop him? If he's preaching what we're preaching, that means he's building with us. Don't stop him. But today we stop one another. How many souls? This one I will ask again. How many souls you, Mzalwan, won since you came to Christ? Christianity just goes from one to another. How many souls you won since you've been a Christian? If you are not winning souls, you are guilty. You are barren. You have brought a shame on the church and the gospel. How many people you get out for Wednesday night prayer meeting? I know we don't have midweek service, but when we had it, how many did you ever invite your neighbor and say, let's go to church? Did you ever invite your colleague, let's go to church? And actually, we are beginning to see that even people sometimes will look at a person and say, ah, this one will not be a message believer. A person will be in the work environment and they would never know that they are a Christian. But as a CC will come wearing a badge. But a message believer will hide the spoken word. He that does not have truth has got the boldness about their deception. But he that claims to have the truth hides. Can you invite your company director to church? Did you, have you done it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm asking if you have done it, God bless you. But if you have done it, any person, brother, let me say, I can be with a person within five minutes, I can tell whether they are Christian or not. And I always ask myself, what is it? There will always be something that drops in their speech. There will be something their understanding and disposition of the world will give away that this person is a Christian. Remember, Jesus says, if you are not ashamed of me, I will not be ashamed of you before the Father. But if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. Are you still with me? How many people you get out for Wednesday night prayer meeting. If you are not doing it, you ought to be ashamed of yourself before Christ. You are guilty and your place is at the altar. I invite you to come with me. He doesn't say you because he's already at the altar for repentance. We're not done. Get on, brother. After he has done that, he says to see this young woman coming, weeping, life before them. They are at the crossroads. They are victims of circumstances. Today, our young people in the message are a victim of circumstances. It takes grace for a young person to be stable in the end time in the message. Because, as a young person, gullible as they are, they will say, But if Pastor So and so has got a problem with Pastor So and so, and they preach the same thing, how are they going to get to heaven together? Then it cripples the mind of a young person. A victim of circumstances. I think it's a message on his own. You preachers, you will go and search. Brother spoke about victims of circumstance many times throughout the message. What? Do you realize, old men, when we were boys, our boys have got 10 times the temptation that we had? Sister, do you realize that your daughter has 10 times the temptation you had when you were a girl? What will her daughter have? Look at this. was spoken, folks, in 1956. I mean, 2021. He said, Look at the things, the pictures the devil is painting. Oh, how we need to pray. Now, we'll go back to you again. Brother, do you realize we don't pray half as much as our fathers did? Not even a quarter. As young one person said, if my dad could have prayed for us the way he prays in church, we would be far as a family. When dad prays in church, he weeps. But at home, there is no prayer. It's a corporate prayer. Dad is not a Christian, he's a nominal Christian. Do you realize, old men, brother, do you realize we don't pray half as much as our fathers did? Pastor, this refers to us. Do you know we don't put as much time on our knees as the pastors before us did? Women, do you realize you don't instruct your daughter and pray with her at night like your mother did? This, this, when I read it, it reminded me, I think it was many years back, I must have been in what you call grade 10, and sometimes three o'clock in the morning, I would hear a voice, and I wonder who's talking at three o'clock a.m., and when I listen closer, and I'll find that it's my mother praying, and I would hear her mentioning our names, and it used to scare me that does she know problems that i'm not aware of well because in my mind if you pray pray at three o'clock in the morning it means there is a problem as a boy then that's what i thought i didn't know that you can have a time allocated for prayer when everybody is asleep are you still with me But now when I look, I realize that those prayers that she prayed during that night, she may not realize how much they were of value. But today when I look at my life, I say some of the things, I escaped them not because of my intellect, but because there was a mother in her closet away from the public eye praying for me. And the question was, if she prayed for me, what am I doing to my children? Am I bringing the same intensity, the same commitment, the same passion, the same determination, or am I lukewarm on my children? She wasn't lukewarm. Can you imagine waking up 3 a.m. every day praying? There must be something that is moving you. And it's not like only her. Many of your mothers did that. Some of them were not in the message, but they understood the power of prayer. But today, the mothers of yesterday spend time praying for us. But the mothers of today, we spend time on something else. Mothers of yesterday, sisters, they would want to make their children... Have you understood what they preach in church? But today, as soon as we are done, hey, this samsung... Nonsense. Petty things. I'm preaching here, folks. I'm not here for popularity contest. One day you've got to meet me at the day of judgment. And I, I mean, you walk through a chilly weather so now that I cannot wow you. I must tell you the truth. And we must diagnose where the problem is and attend where the problem is. Even we pastors who have been guilty became more political instead of being spiritual. Are you still with me? Undermining other pastors instead of respecting other pastors. He's not in our group. He cannot preach for us. Who told you that? Is your group the only thing that has got a copyright to heaven? No, sir. Every servant of God must be respected. Irrespective of where they come from. As long as they are minister of the gospel, they must be respected. I, I, I know what I'm talking about. There was a time where I had to meet with... You know, Brother Bram says... You can meet with 12 witches and agree and reach consensus than to meet with 12 ministers and reach consensus. It's a direct quotation. Go and check it. It says that sometimes you can get agreement among witch doctors than among ministers. There was something that we had to do as ministers and I was part of it and we had invited other people and one minister, two ministers came to me and said, ah oh, but those ministers we don't want them, their understanding of the way it is shallow I looked at them and said, what type of creatures are these ones? Were you born with your knowledge being deep? Or is it by the grace of God? And if you think you have arrived why don't you pull your brother along? And they influence their congregations. When a minister in this church, we will recognize any minister. Hallelujah. Yes. Any, do you hear me? Any minister. Whether he speaks good grammar or not good grammar. But as long as what he's saying, it is what in Malachi for said, we will say amen to that. Yes. We have no groups. Amen. Are you with me? That's why I was blessed with Pastor Tamara yesterday. What a lovely service. I enjoyed it. Brother Pastor, do you realize you know we don't put as much effort on our knees as the pastors before us did? Women, do you realize you don't instruct your daughter and pray with her at night like your mother did? Then what about it? Who's guilty? We are guilty. There is no way around it. We are guilty. Amen. Another thing. The previous one I said, revival tears because of carelessness. The second reason, revival tears because of fear. This I'm going to unpack it. Because of fear. When check. Brother Brenham says, the greatest hindrance to the church is fear. And he further takes it further and says, I don't know anything that is delaying the coming of the Lord than the readiness of the church. Let's unpack it. God's provided way of healing, paragraph 42. This quotation, we loved it. I read it as soon as we heard that coronavirus was spreading around the world. You were clapping hands. Not only in this church, but across the bright community, this was the most powerful quotation. But let's hear once more. He said, let me pass something here quickly as our time is going. Listen, did you know the Bible predicts that in the last days that there will be a germ warfare? That diseases will break out upon the people and will fall on everyone without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But with the angel or who had charge over this place was given orders to touch no one on whom the mark was. Why? How much more kind of teachers have we got to be brethren to get to the church in order to be in that condition? Then he uses the word immune. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Bring another one. But look, friend, the time is coming that when there is a rising up a church, and if we can't have faith for divine healing, how about we how are we going to have for the rapture? We've got to move out, friend. We've got to get hold of this old slow church condition that we are in. Step out, launch out, cut the shorelines. And get out into somewhere where you lose all senses of fear and doubt. Out there where all things are possible, brother, just as free as it can be, you've got your yourself set towards heaven and nothing can stay you nowhere. You are gone that way, that's all, nothing can harm you. Uh, remember, we read this quotation. We were all excited, clapping our hands. But later on, I, I like how one brother was telling me last weekend. Say, you know, I used to preach it like that until I had a coronavirus. Then I kept quiet. <laughs> then I said, brother, the problem what came over you was fear. Right. Are you still with me? Maybe I think Brother Mithub will understand When you say you are immune It doesn't mean you will not have it But it means it will not destroy you Even if, when you have it yes. Are you still with me? So we write this Because we believed in divine healing And everyone in the message was locked in this And quotations were on WhatsApp They were going viral And when message believers started dying The quotation disappeared from WhatsApp I'm saying it. Give me honest. Am I speaking the truth? Yes. Did, did this change the quotation? Someone say no. Uh, maybe this quotation is speaking about maybe this was a pestilency that was allowed by God. I say God will never destroy his children. Amen. Oh, come on, folks. Yes. Are you hearing message believers? Yes. I hear amen It does not come. You know why? You lack the boldness of Elijah. Uh, We said in this church, somebody was uh, asking me, why would you say no one will die of this thing in your church? What gives you the determination? I say, God said it. And God said, whatever I bind here shall be bound in heaven. So I'm operating within the realms of the scriptures. I say, brother, be careful. I say, God never told me to be careful. He said, believe, believe. and all things are possible to them that believe. <laughs> and I, I don't say you won't get it. If you get it, brother, don't say divine healing is gonna be a great thing during that time. We will pray for you, and you will be delivered from it. Oh, the church cannot say amen today because the church does not believe in divine healing anymore. If we cannot conquer coronavirus, how are we going to change the atoms of this body? Amen. Brother, you say what's going to happen when you know I'll walk and walk in another dimension and disappear? Explain it. No, you can't explain. I can't explain it. I believe it, brother. You'll never die from corona. Explain it. Why must I explain this one but not the other one? Amen. Why can I believe this one and the way I believe the other one? How you hear amen now is careful. Amen. <laughs> so that the devil must not hear me because he's waiting for me. Another one just saying, "Hey, Mufunis, be careful! You will be struck by it. You will pray for me, and I'll be healed." Amen. Aren't you an army of God? Amen. Don't you have power to bind demons? Uh, so why must I be scared? No, say. Are you still with me? Amen. But the church is afraid. Brother, bring that's other quotation. He says, now is the kind of a church is going to be one of these days. According to the Bible, where the angel poured out his wrath and diseases broke out and men even rotted in their flesh where they were standing. And the fowl of the air came down and eat ate off the shoulders and eat the flesh of the chief captains and great men and presidents and warriors and diplomats and pontets and everything. But the angel was given a charge. Amen. Don't you come near anyone that's got the seal of God in their forehead? And it says, one of these days, divine healing is going to be a great thing among the people. Let's get in that condition. Uh, Hallelujah. It doesn't mean there will be Ebola, but you will have an Ebola maybe as a believer. But we've got power to say this Ebola came on the wrong body. Are you still here church? Folks, if we cannot believe in divine healing, close the church and go home. We are wasting our time. If we cannot believe in the promise of God, uh, we can turn this church into a company. But if it exists for its purpose, the church must have power. The church must never be shut down by Satan. The church must wage war against Satan. And say, Satan, we have an answer. And this needs the true ministers of God. To come to the people and say what he said, he is truthful, and he will keep his word. Yeah. When others said, did you see the giants? Did you see Corona? Did you see cancer? Did you see Tam? Did you see all those things? But there must be Joshua and Caleb. Yes. That say we are more than able to take the land and possess the land. You know, our favorite saying in the message is, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Have you heard of that one? Amen. brother? that is not the right question now. We know where the Lord God of Elijah is. He is still on the throne. Yes. He's still in control. He's he still powerful. He's he still a healer. Yes. The question should not be, where is the Lord God of Elijah? But where are the Elishas? Men that can come after Elijah. Amen. Men that have got a double potion. <laughs> Men that have got the boldness of Elijah. Amen. Elijah said, hey, my God will answer. Amen. He will rain fire from heaven. Amen. And whoever claims the God to be genuine, here is a sacrifice. Amen. Let your God rain fire. And he was sitting there mocking them. And say, your God God must be sleeping. A man that believed in his God. But when the time came Elijah rose up. And went to the sacrifice. And put water on the sacrifice. Hallelujah. This man knew he he had what we call an unction of the spirit. He knew that God will answer the prayer. Hallelujah. And fire rained down. Go and check throughout the Bible timeline. The only thing that God is attracted to is bravery. God has never used cowards. I said God has never used cowards. Nebuchadnezzar will not bow down to your fire. We will go into the fire even if our God doesn't deliver us. But we will not bow down to your fire. To your image. Elijah was a prayerful man. The message, there is something that we missed. When we preach the third poll, speak it into existence. You don't wake up and speak it into existence with a lukewarm prayer life. You can never, you can never bluff Satan. He will come and rip apart your clothes and say, William Branham, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Spending time in prayer, alone in the closet, speaking to your God until you lose a sense of time. When was the last time you kneeled down and spoke to God as a believer? The church is lukewarm because prayer lives are lukewarm. The Bible keep on saying he prayed. The scientific world broke the sound barrier. The lustful and sinful world has broken the sin barrier. When will the church break the doubt barrier? A scientific man has got so much faith in what he's doing than what a man that claims to God to have. You know, now, now they are speaking about artificial intelligence, the fourth industrial revolution, where I will look at Brother Lawrence and I will be sitting here. He will pick up a message from my brain without me speaking to him and it will be transmitted to his brain. You, you, you doubt many years. I think it was Somewhere in the 18th century, the scientist said there will come a time where men will be able to put his cell phone in his pocket, and everyone thought they were mad. But today, every one of you has got a cell phone in the pocket. They've delivered the results, but we are admiring, and we are all the benefits of the scientific world. The, the sinful world, they've broken through the sin barrier. What do they do? They're not even ashamed anymore. They do it publicly. They don't care whether or how you think because they've broken beyond the sin barrier. But when will the church break beyond the doubt barrier? Amen. Where, where, folks... The early church, there was a sister. Was it Docas or who? There was a sister that died in church. And her death was announced. And the disciples said, No, this sister is so much of a great assistance to the ministry. Brothers, we are not going anywhere. We will gather here and we will bring our sister back. Amen. Uh, you're not even saying amen enough. I do if you believe that. They say, we are not calling an undertaker. Brothers, let's come together. We have to claim our sister back. And the Bible says they prayed. And they prayed. And they prayed. And the life was restored back to the body of our sister. Why? That church broke beyond the doubt barrier. What about this church in the end time? Ah, until we make certain things that God didn't promise to be part of our daily struggle. I've got this cancer. It's mine. <laughs> well, we preach divine healing. Sometimes we can't blame you. The poor preacher is so weak. He, has not a, he doesn't even pray. All he knows is to go to computer and say, what well, I'm going to speak about minister, minister, and prince, and come here and be like a pirate. No action in the spirit. Yes. Amen. Sometimes we blame the laity for being weak, but sometimes it's the pulpit that is weak. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Revival tarries because of lack of agency in prayer. Oh, this one I can't emphasize enough. I tell you, I have heard how people rejoice. Speak the word, move forward. Amen. And a lot of times people thought that that makes them to be devoted from a life of prayer. No, brother. You still need a prayerful life where you bring your issues before God and speak to God. You know, there is a saying, and I'll come to it. It says, it is, it's not what you know is who you know. Amen. This, they speak about it within uh, other sectors, but in God, it is true. It's not so much about what you know, it's who you know. Amen. 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 Let's listen. In the message, teaching on Moses, paragraph 87, when it speaks about Abram and Jacobet. Look at this couple. And the next morning, about three o'clock or four o'clock, Brother Bam says, Abraham had a place in the antique where he would go and pray. And the next morning, about three or four o'clock, he comes down the little steps. He looks over there, and there was his lovely little wife, little Jacobeth. She was there in the bed asleep. And little Aaron and little Miriam had already been tucked in the bed. So they were just as sleepy as they could be and sleeping away. All right. He says to her, she said, it's getting late and you are just getting, next quotation. Yeah. Then he interjected. Yeah, I've prayed all night. This Emram, Jacobet, this telling Jacobeth, I've prayed for the whole night. He's coming back at 4 o'clock in the morning. His eyes were strained with tears because he cried for the people. And she said, look here Emram, you shouldn't go too hard at it. Now he said, listen dear, that's good, but now look, you've got two kids to raise here, and the barren is mine. And if somebody doesn't pray for our poor people, what will become of them? Oh, God, give us such people. You know, this is where you understand what keeps a church and what makes a church is those individuals in church that are praying for the church away from the public eye. Folks, the church can go forward without money. The church can go forward without resources, but the church can never go forward without prayer. Are you still with me here? There are men, even in this church, there are men that I know, and women that I know, they pray for the church. Now look, the burden is mine. If somebody don't pray for poor people, what will become of them? What's going to happen if somebody don't have the people at heart? Somebody, somebody has got, somebody has got to pray. Amen. And it says, well, it seems to be, anyhow, I will pray. Anyhow, all the time goes to that work, and each day he comes and goes and the same old toil. He had a hard job. This, this, this prayer warrior did not have it easy, folks. He had a hard job. They put mortar into a great mold. He had to stand there by that big furnace when they would open it up and it would almost break his height. That horrible heat, he would push those bricks back there and bake them and bring them out to build great big roads, great big high towers to idol gods and everything. And this real Christian man down there, working like that for the enemy, but he was a slave. He was in bondage. He had to do it. Every night when he would come home, he would (laughs) and go up the stairs stairs and pray and pray and come back down and it kept getting worse. Do you hear folks? He wasn't using computer. By the big furnace, cooking bricks, working hard, Hard work load being multiplied, coming home exhausted, but say I can't go to sleep before I pray. I Amen. But how many of us today? Hey, I'm tired. When you pray, as you kneel down, three minutes into prayer, you even roll over, <laughs> tip over, you'll wake up in the morning. And yet we are more sicker than they were. Yet we deal with more vicious enemy than they dealt with. Amen. Our children are facing more troubles than any other children of the age. Our marriages are much more under pressure. Our pastors are much more under prayer. But we've got a prayerless generation. Amen. Loving to sleep. May God give us men like Emrah. This man, he says, this is not a national duty. This is my personal duty. I don't care whether they are asleep, but somebody has got to pray. Amen. And that's how a revival breaks out. Somebody somewhere in their corner say, "Lord, I see what the devil is doing. I see the damage that the devil is causing." But I'm going down on our knees. We're going to pray for the ministry. We're going to pray for everyone and say, God, deliver them. And God hears our prayers. Folks, hear me out. I didn't just come here and tell you that no one will die of corona because of excitement. It takes prayer. It takes before going before God. And say, God, you cannot shame us. We are living during a dangerous time. You need to answer us. Amen. And demand certain things. You don't say, ah, but they will pray for themselves. People are lazy. There's a brother that was going through a tough time. And I said, brother, can we just wake up around 3 o'clock and pray? I put him at 3 o'clock voice base. <laughs> uh, then I went back to sleep. So I will not stay awake. awake for. This man, We agreed. He says he's got a need, he's got a prayer. a point. We need to pray. But he's sleeping. Who should be awake? Laziness. I mean, if you sleep on your pastor, having agreed at the time of prayer, that means you are not a prayer warrior. I'm not impressed by a fancy prayer behind the pulpit. I'm impressed by a broken prayer in the closet. What we see in the end time is showmanship. Showmanship. A showmanship that is devout of prayer. Folks, even in this church, do you believe prayer? I, I see... People will call me and tell me, hey, Pastor, pray for me, and we pray. And God does something. But there will never be even Thanksgiving. You want to tell me that from last week until today, none of you had a Thanksgiving? God was silent. No one has got anything to thank God for. No Thanksgiving. Some of you who traveled. God preserved you and gave you a traveling miss. Yeah. But there will never be a, I need to ride. God, thank you for the traveling miss.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, you didn't thank him this Sunday. You expect him to work during the week. Hmm? We have not because we... And we ask, no, because we don't have gratitude. These message believers are succumbing to the laudation spirit. I can do it. I can figure it out. I know my way out. It's a matter of time before you hit it, cul-de-sac. Young men, sometimes I love young men would come into my office, Pastor, I got the job. But the, the trustees will not even be aware that he's got a job. Amen. It's only me and him that are aware. Amen. A generation that wants more with no lack of appreciation Amen. are with me. Revival terrors because we steal the glory of God that belongs to God. Today, wherever you go in the message, my pastor, my apostle, my church, my group, are you not seeing them in the message? our church, our pastor our apostle TB Joshua is passed away last night so all South Africans that were saving money to go and worship him there must cancel their flights. the man is no more why? don't put your trust in man put your trust in God things that we are seeing, some of the things we cannot show you, but they are so shameful. Amen. And you look, has the message church degenerated to this levels where even Pentecostals cannot degenerate to worshipping a man in such a manner? But one day they will wake up. The TB Joshua only got sick two days, and it was gone. Amen. Two days gone. And may God be and comfort his family, but we are reflecting the people that had confidence in a man, in state of God. Amen. And I believe that there are we've got great men in the message. The Bride's revival should have broken through them, but God realized they would have taken so much glory upon themselves and God allowed and sent a lying spirit for them to get puffed up and start believing things that even a preschool child cannot believe. A true minister will fish people for God's kingdom, not fish people's compliments. Uh, You know, when you are a minister, you have to have a way to relate to criticism and have a way to relate it to praise. Sometimes ministers avoid criticism and embrace praise, but praise can be as much poisonous as criticism can be. Are you with me, people? Because today when we preach, Every man of God wants to be told, you, you, you have such a a superior revelation. The way you put it, amazing. God spoke through you. And such over, people that make such overzealous uh, remarks are quick later to say, the devil today was using you. (laughs) So a minister has got to be immunized from such things message at Gadeesh Banea, paragraph 74. It says, now here it is. I don't want to hurt you, don't want to shake you or jack the hide from you, but I wish to preach the truth. There's one thing about it, brother. The truth will never make you popular, but the truth will make you honest. Amen. I had a group of brothers in Pretoria last week. We in a fellowship. It was a group where some ministers joined us. And we're fellowshipping, and I told them, I said, the problem in the message today, we lack honest people. Okay. And I, I gave them an example. I said, do you know that if I was to lie to you here, all of you here, and tell a lie now, none of you is going to correct me. You leave when I'm gone, and that's when you say, hey, Pastor Marie, what did you say? <laughs> but I was there. I, when I was lying, I was there. <laughs> you are, it's not recorded, I'm there. No one has got the audacity to say, man of God, you preach well, but now you are lying. (laughs) Message believers cannot do that. I'd rather pick up a call and say, brother, funny, hey, I was with Pastor Meribah, he lied to us. But I can't pick up a call and say, pastor, you lied to us. Because we are not honest. You know why we are not honest? Because we want to be popular. But if you want to go somewhere with God, you've got to be honest. And uh, mothers, you will understand. Have you ever raised your children and set them on a certain path and told them what you expected, and there would be just be another auntie from somewhere who's trying to tell them that you are a hard one, uh, they can make things, she can make things easier for them. Have you ever had such a relative yes. that paints you as a hard parent? Even now, we pastors, when we preach this way, God raises other copycats that will say to people, we can make it easier. We will say we will never remarry a man if his wife is still alive. But there will be a renegade in the message of the hour that says, no, I can officiate that marriage. But guess, there is a judgment where we have to appear before. He can give you that sweet and make the gospels to be so sweet and it makes you diabetic. But one day, you have to meet God. These days, however way you want to live, you can find a church in the message church that fits your lifestyle. Amen. Because the truth will never make you, but will make you. And people want to be not honest. I wrap up. There can never be no revival when well, Mr. Amen and Mrs. Uh, wet eyes are not found in the audience. Today, we don't promote emotions. God is not in emotions. But when was the last time we sang a song that moved on your heart and it made you tarry? Mm -hmm. Today, folks, we are being entertained. What we see is an entertainment, it's not worship. Come on, musicians. Entertainment, not worship. That's why all songs that we used to sing, uh, do you see they are living church? These days, it has to be joyous. Then it makes us joyful. I'm preaching here. When was the last time we came to say, close to thee, close to thee, standing on the promises of God, give me that old time religion, sweep over my soul, no, this this is inter, Amen. We have a cold church in a cold world because we preachers are cold. Uh, When you when you come before the people as a minister. If there is something that God cherishes, it's a minister's nervousness. Amen. When you are nervous, the moment you lose your nervousness as a minister, you need a place at the altar because you now know it. You know how to Amen. handle the audience. You know how to wow them. Amen. But when you are a minister, you are not even sure. So, Lord, are you sure this is the message? Amen. I need you, Lord. Help me because God doesn't depend on your ability. Amen. It has to be the operation of the Holy Spirit. But today, ministers, some of them say, you can wake me at 3 throat lock, I'll be ready to preach, brother. When was the When did you pray about you as someone? And say, Lord, this is what you have given me. I'm going to speak to your people. Because ministers today don't respect God's people. Because they are no longer servants. They are lords over God's people. They don't consider it a privilege to minister to God's people. They consider it, it's my right. No, it's a privilege. For people to come on Sunday and sit down and listen to you, it's a privilege. And they come because there's something that they want and they mean business with God. They're not there to impress you. No one is here to impress anyone. I mean, you didn't wake up to impress Pastor Marie. is it so... You walk through a chilly weather because you say, I want to worship. There are people that are driving distances with their petrol coming here. For what? Not because there is a nice sister dressed well in church or a pastor speaks better English. No. They mean business with God. So when you stand behind the pulpit, you had much manner mean business with God. I sometimes travel, you find that uh, I'm so nervous on the flight, maybe going to preach somewhere. And I say, and in my mind, I am saying, Lord, a lot of things can go wrong. These people are expecting me to come down there. They are having expectations. The pastor maybe has paid even the air ticket. Imagine you get on the flight, you arrive at a long distance, you don't have a voice. You just lose your voice because of flu for that long weekend. What are you going to do? You've wasted people's money. So you are praying, Lord, I need you to take over my voice. I need you to take over my intellect. I need you to be in charge. That's so why when a minister goes, he depends on your prayers as a local church. Because a lot of things can go, hey, why? <coughs> are you still with me? Amen. It is not what you know these days that matter, but whom you know. You have to know God. A true minister has got to have a personal experience. Moses had an experience. Paul had an experience. Brother Brenham had an experience. Every true minister of God must have an experience. I'll tell you why I say you must have an experience. In the ministry, you're going to be tested. The ministry is not as smooth as it There are some two billion There you know, ministry, maybe let me give you, just to use an analogy so that you maybe you can enjoy it. Sometimes when you get into a restaurant, and maybe you are at a spare or wimpy or whatever, you know, you come there, they bring you nice plates, you just order and say, a cappuccino and what what, and then they go into the kitchen. Sometimes you don't see what's going on in the kitchen. You're, you're just enjoying the ambience. That's why young men that don't understand the ministry, they think is when you walk out of that office with a mic here, good evening, friends, how are you? And No, that's the ambience. It's only 10% of what you see in the ministry. The ministry behind the scene, it has, it has some ugly sight. Hallelujah. Yes, there are some ups and downs. There are moments where you are alone, and Satan is staring you in the face and saying, what were you thinking? What were you trying? Uh, Am I not saying the truth? William Brenham, he lost his wife. lost his... If it was today, even ministers today would not invite him to preach. They say, a man cannot lose his wife, lose his children, and things are this way. Something he has done is wrong. Our God doesn't operate like that. There's a God of the third pole. What is happening there? But it's when God breaks you, breaks you, breaks you, so that later he can use you in the manner that he sees fit. Now, let's come to Paul. I'm going to wrap up. The message exposition of the seven church ages. It says, first of all, or maybe his manner of ministering, he referring to Paul. Set the pattern that all future messengers were to aspire to. And actually set the pattern for every true minister of God. Though he would not attain to such heights in the prophetic realm as did Paul, Paul's ministry had a threefold quality and was as follows. Threefold quality. Remember, I said Isaiah's vision was in a threefold manner. Now, even Paul's ministry says it had a threefold. First of all, Paul was absolutely true to the weight. He never deviated from it, no matter what the cost. Yes, there will be cost. You know, the other time I was here, I said, I'm no longer officiating a marriage of a believer and unbeliever. And after a week or two, I got a call from a very close member of my family. Uh, They are having a wedding of a brother that was in the message. He is now marrying a sister outside the marriage uh, message and is related to me. Now the family was speaking to me and said, can you do it for us? Exactly two weeks after I said it here. What was the devil trying to do? Let me start in your family. To check whether is it genuine. Amen. Now I had to tell my own family, I say, I, I won't do it. I'm coming to the wedding as a, as a member of the family, but not as a pastor. Amen. Do you see what they, the devil will, you don't just talk here. You will be tested. Amen. Are, you, are, you, are you still with me? Everything that you preach, you're going to be tested on it. Anyway, had much better not be found wanting. No. Paul was, do you believe that Brother Bram was true to the weight? No. He never did. Even when Billy Paul got into trouble, Brother Bram said, No ways. He took a stance. Amen. And the one thing is when it hits your family. Paul was absolutely true to the weight. He never deviated from it, no matter what the cost. Folks, if you are a minister of convenience, and actually, true ministers of God had a way to make a living other than through preaching. Paul was a tent maker brother Brenham worked for a public service company it allows the minister a certain degree of independence to preach the gospel because when you depend on the arms of the people in one church a brother went to the pastor and said I need a refund of all my tithes yes in the message So when you are a minister, I, I, can, I think one day we'll have to uh, expound on that one, so that we help young ministers that are coming up, because they become too gullible and fall easier and earlier before they stand, because of wrong decisions that they make in the minister. It's not nice to lose a young minister, when we lose one minister, young especially, is one too many. We need as many of them in the ministry. His ministry was in the power of the Spirit, thereby demonstrating the spoken and written word. That's why he says, I come not to you in the excellency of speech, but I come in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, he had the evident fruit of his God-given ministry. Evident here, I can take it further and say the ministry had a birth and gave birth. Today, the reason we are fighting in the message of the hour is because ministries are barren. When a sister from this church speaks to a sister from the other church, it's it's an opportunity to say, can I drag this sister to lighthouse? That's not new birth. You have not one a soul. You have proselyted. And churches are growing without the kingdom of God growing. And I'll show you why. A family can, can grow in number, but yet and not grow by adoption. Bring another one, brother. There is a difference between a born child and adopted child. If one brother moves from one other church and come into this church, there's nothing happening in heaven. There's silence. But when a sinner comes to church, raw from the street, hears the gospel and says God is still speaking and repents, then there is a shout in heaven. A true minister must have birth, not adoptions. Today I see evangelists have gone and live in the message. No passion for souls anymore. Everyone wants to preach behind such a pulpit with ready-made people but when are we storming back into denominations preaching the gospel to them showing them the truth but it's a sermon for another day let's listen to what the prophet says here investments, paragraph 256 a man that would proselyte Bring believers from one group to another, it shows there is an emptiness there. If you go from this church, you target another church, and you try to convince people from that church to leave that church, to come to this church, it shows that this church is empty. If it's not empty, it will take a sinner from the street. All these, all these eight messengers that are rising in the message of the hour, they will never, never make a person to be converted from the street. Maybe unless they give them money. It's because that's not a gospel. It shows there is emptiness there. He's working for an organization in state of the kingdom of God. I don't care where they go to, As long as they are born of the Spirit of God, they will live a Christian life, and emptiness the works that testify of it. While I'm here, you know, sometimes you are at pay. I've had in the last two days, I've had people calling me that moved it into new areas. Pastor Maribamai, such and such area, where do I go to worship? And you find that it's a place that is neglected. There's no pastor there. It's just three believers. Sometimes they gather. The minister doesn't preach. Now I must refer a person to that place. Hmm? A church has been in the garage for 20 years with three believers. It's just circulating. No growth. You know why? A pastor somewhere just says, that's my area there. Why don't you put a local man to work the area? local evangelists and say brother we are putting you here, work this area we need a message church and a message church must have a pastor, must have deacons must have trustees, we need a message church here within a certain period of time, yes, but a place is 20 years, barren are we going to have revival? even the people that I will refer there, some of them you refer them after a year, they have backsliding or even they find a Pentecostal church where they go to Why? It's because of money and popularity. Are you still with me? The end time, paragraph four. It says, I believe that every Christian is obligated to be every Christian is obligated to be the reason there there we, have, we have a library and we have books, we have bringing material, sometimes it's not only for this assembly, it's for you to be able to take whatever is available so that when you are among your relatives, you've got a track to give them, you've got a tape to give them, you've got some message, a message believer must have a material of some sort at all times in their car to give to somebody. Are you still with me? Folks?
1: Yes.
0: We cannot have big results from our small prey. The law of prayer is the law of harvest. So sparingly in prayer, reap sparingly. So bountifully in prayer, reap bountifully in prayer. And in closing I say, let us be the people of let us be the people of let us pray for our children. Let us pray for our assemblies. Let us pray for our ministers. Let us pray our elders. Let us pray. Brother Brennan, say you can laugh too much, you can talk too much, you can smile too much, but you can never pray too much. Spend time in prayer. God bless your Rich. As we stand to our feet, study parties just say, in the cross, in the cross, in the cross.
2: and gracious lord we want to thank you lord jesus christ during this afternoon oh father we thank you for your word lord jesus christ we heard heavenly father it was not a man speaking but it was you speaking lord jesus christ we are so happy to hear what we have heard oh god many are longing heavenly father to hear such oh lord jesus christ as you know father god them that you love father you chasten them oh god Master, we know, Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, we've been corrected by your word. Master, we know, Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Lord, the devil hates prayer, Oh God. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, for each and every individual, Almighty God, during in this service, Father, that you undertake and strengthen them, Oh God, especially on prayer, Heavenly Lord. Yes. We know, Father God, we are too busy, Oh Father. We are too busy in such a way, Lord Jesus Christ, that the prayer, Oh Father, will become some of those things, Lord Jesus. But we pray, Father, that you forgive us as a church, Lord. Mm. May we help us, Heavenly Father, to stay on our knees, Lord Jesus, like men of old, O oh God. We know, Lord Jesus Christ, whenever they stayed on their knees, Lord, the results came, O Father. We know of Elijah, God. The Bible says, Lord Jesus Christ, He prayed to shut the heavens, Lord, and to us, mighty God. And we know the faith and prayer of a righteous men availeth much, exactly. O oh God. We know, Fareback, O oh God. That he prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, for his husband to be converted, oh God. We know, Heavenly Father, that Zacchaeus, Lord, was converted, oh God. And the prophet says, Lord, a praying woman would do much, oh Father, more than a minister on the pulpit, Lord. Yes. Truly, Lord Jesus Christ, it's all by prayer, oh Father, that we come back with substance, we come back with the real things, Father, that we can say is through prayer, Father, we come back with these things, Lord Jesus. We pray, dear God, remembering even heavenly Father, at a certain church, oh God, where there was a poor widow woman who was always praying, oh Father, and everything was at peace, oh Father. But the moment that widow woman passed away, Lord, there was chaos in that church, oh Father. Mm. We know, Lord, there's power in prayer, oh God. Okay. Help this church, oh Father, to be a praying church, oh God. Let it be so. We pray, Father God, that you strengthen and free, oh Father, that in whatever, wherever they are, Almighty God, they call upon you, oh God. We pray now, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, about each and every need, O Father God, from your children. We undertake, O Father God, for each and every individual. As you know, Father God, you are a God that answer prayer, O God. To the sick, Father, may you heal them, O God. To them that are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, may you fill them the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus Christ. To them, Heavenly Father, with different trials, as you know them, Father, may you have a Lord Jesus Christ, I undertake for them, Lord. We pray for ministers, Lord Jesus Christ. May you help each and every minister, Father, to play their part of and to save their purpose, Lord Jesus Christ. May you help them, Lord Jesus Christ, to fulfill, Father, what you have designed them to well, do, O oh God. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep them humble, Lord, you keep them safe from many women and popularity, Father. We praise you. Commit this whole safety in your able hands. Then we just pray. Amen, amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Bless you. <laughs> Lord, lift me higher. Amen. God bless you, have a blessed week, Uh, hallelujah, give us the song, I will live by prayer, and have a a jubilant and victorious week, till we see you, Wednesday is still a time for family altars, Uh, there is a saying in business world, keep each other accountable, as a husband, Tell the family it's time we have prayer as a wife. Remind the family it's a family prayer. Amen. Amen. We will listen to mm. a tape and God will do so much in the family. Amen. Mm. God bless you richly. Till
3: we meet you. Amen. Oh, Oh, pilela, pilela, pilela. we oh. oh.